Before we get into the episode, head on over to RighteousFelon.com for all your favorite beef jerky flavors. I'd recommend starting off with the whole shebang craft jerky gift bundle. The jerky is smoky and savory, spicy and sweet. All of your favorites, all in one variety pack. Use promo code OCSN, all lowercase, to get 15% off at checkout. Don't miss this great opportunity. Go to RighteousFelon.com today. You're as cold as ice. You're willing to sacrifice our love. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Ice Cold Takes podcast. I am your host, Joey DeMeglio, and the Rangers' season, unfortunately, has ended in utter disappointment after losing to the Devils in seven games in round one. Today, I am joined by John Luke Chaparro from the Blue Seat Blogs to break everything down from how we feel as fans to what needs to happen in the offseason and the decisions that Chris Drury needs to make. Uh, thanks for joining me, John Luke. How's everything going? Thanks. I'm glad to be here. Um, outside of the Rangers debilitating my emotions for the last couple of days, I'm good. I mean, I watch a terrible baseball team. I can, yeah. can't imagine which one I root for. But other than that, I'm good. Yeah, I, I got you. I feel the exact same way, man. I, I was not expecting to watch the Mets this early. Last year, it was, you know, middle of June that I turned on SNY again mm-hmm. after watching like the first couple of weeks in April. Like, yeah, I, I was not expecting this. This is such a uh, a disappointment. It's a uh, shock to the system, day. really. Honestly, mm-hmm. you right. You come back from such a uh, exciting playoff run the year prior and then it kind of flops this year it's mm-hmm. you kind of feel empty a little bit and then you go up 2-0 in this series this year and you know i was so damn excited like mm-hmm. i i was so hyped like after that second win we had like a whole live stream here like this that was the podcast episode where we were just like this is our year this is our year the devils are too young they don't have it and yeah, yeah. i completely i completely <laughs> crapped the bed there so i have to acknowledge some uh we call melted takes. Um, that's one of them. Hand in the air. When I said this is our year, I was completely wrong. It fell flat on its face. After going up 2-0, the Rangers lost four of the next five to the same team. And it was just, it was such a disappointment. It was, it was so bad. I went to game five and they got shut out. And then I was thinking about going to game seven. Good thing I did not because they also got shut out. Like that's the other thing crazy two shutouts in three games honestly how how this is my thing so i was at game six i was at game three as well so the thing that annoys me the most with this team and i guess we'll touch more on that as we go along um how do you not just throw pucks at the goalie like every other team did against akira schmidt you know, mm-hmm. look at, for example, look at what Carolina did last night, uh, at least at least to when this is being recorded. Mm-hmm. The night prior to this recording, Carolina won game one. All they did was throw pucks at Akira Schmidt and he got pulled just like he got pulled in game uh, game six. I don't I, I, I don't get it. It's It was a simple concept. You take puck, you shoot puck, puck go in net on goalie guy in front. That's it. Yep. I don't get it. I I said that this was the most disappointed I've ever felt since 2015, the conference finals, which also, even worse, the Rangers got shut out on home ice in games five and seven, so mm-hmm. twice in three games, sandwiched between seven goals. So yeah. 
you take that, and this year it's two shutouts in three games, sandwich, sandwiching between a five-goal performance on home ice. So how does that happen? How do you not stick to the same game plan that won you game six or that won you games one and two? You know, like yeah. Well, I, I think the issue is is that, um, and I guess we'll probably allude to this, or I guess we'll touch on it now. I guess if that's okay with you, yeah. Um, there, there seems to be a bit of a disconnect between the coaching staff, upper management, and the players. Um, it's been known, and this is something that we alluded to on on, on Blue Seat Blogs, Gerard Gallant is not an X's and O's kind of guy. He is your personality coach. He is the one who reams everybody in and is supposed to be kind of like the guy who can deal with it, similar to what Vigneault used to do, except I think Vigneault, he did defer to his assistants, but he was also kind of like a little more hands-off than Kalant is. Um, you're playing the same team for at least a week, and you have video, you have footage, you have all of the tools at your disposal, and you still don't make the adjustments. and. The thing about Akira Schmidt, he's going to be a very good goaltender. Let me just say that. He's big. He's got the tools to do it. Could I be wrong? Kind of hope so. For our sake, at mm -hmm. least, as Ranger fans, because you don't want to get the next birder coming up for us. That's the last thing we need. But Schmidt's problem, and it was prevalent whenever he would get the puck thrown on him, was he had terrible rebound control, and his glove was very shaky. That was evident in Game 6 when they just threw everything on net and it went in, and they brought Vanacek in. So what, what is going through these guys' minds that they say, oh, let me just stick to what I did the last couple of games because clearly it worked, but it did not. I, there's something, there's a disconnect, and it's really hard to kind of pinpoint. Um, during some of the exit interviews, um, and obviously I'm not saying that it's all the coach's fault. There's a player players have to execute your top six. Doesn't do a damn thing. Uh, they have to come through. That was another big factor, but the players were coming out and not, and not many had a really ringing endorsement of Gallant. And maybe that's just cause the emotion's still there, but I mean, it's not really ideal to just kind of have like sort of Jacob Truba had the biggest, like pregnant pause when asked about Gallant mm -hmm. spoke and everyone else kind of followed suit. So what does that mean for this team going forward? And if you haven't heard, there have been rumors that were confirmed by Arthur Staple from the athletic and Elliot Friedman, that there was a big altercation, a heated argument after game four between management and Gallant and everybody like, you could hear it. You could hear it. It wasn't pretty. And, I mean, game four was arguably the worst game the Rangers played in the series. Um, that was just – it was not good enough at all. Uh, they made no adjustments. As much as, you know, what Gallant says, we tried making adjustments is what he said. We tried. It's not like we, we're not making adjustments. Well, whatever adjustments you tried to make, it obviously wasn't enough. Because, I mean, it was the same results. You weren't getting pucks deep. There was one style and one style only that was going to beat how the Devils were playing from games three to seven. It was to dump the puck in, get physical, and make them create turnovers. Yep. Adapt to that style. Look at how Carolina played in game one. They were all over the Devils. They, 
they went the entire first period only giving up one shot, Carolina. One mm-hmm. shot. That's how much time they spent in the offensive zone. <laughs> and the difference between Carolina and the Rangers is that, I mean, well, obviously, Brindamore is an, is an awesome coach. I love Brindamore. I think he's a mm-hmm. great coach. Uh, they play a style that is a lot different than the Rangers, and they have different tools to accommodate that system. They are a four-check heavy team. The Rangers were actually pretty balanced this year. Uh, they were good. From what I remember, uh, from around February, early March, it, the Rangers were top five in both four-check and, and rush offense. So, you know, you take your pick there. But Carolina has the tools necessary to fit that, that style. And we were talking before the show about the identity that the Rangers had and that it seemed like it was missing in this series. I don't like to point the finger at individual players because it's all, it's a, it's a team sport and, you know, you lose together or you win together. Right. And, you know, saying like, Oh, Patrick Kane did nothing, which by the way, I don't think he did. I, I don't think he did nothing. He had six points in seven games on like a busted hit. We know that now. Um, Panarin didn't have the, the best series. The didn't have the best series. I mean, the only guys really, it, it's, it's crazy that like, like, the first two games, nobody was complaining. Like I have, everybody was saying, I have no complaints. Everybody, there's no weak link on this roster. Then after it's like, everybody's the weak link. It just completely flip-flopped like that. And you know, the, the line Python here, uh, my guy Python was saying like, we, Gallant doesn't realize the blender isn't an adjustment. It's not an adjustment. Like when I went to game five, at some point, Kaka was the best skater on the Rangers in game five. Clear mm-hmm. as day. He was yep. he was the only one that had chances. He was the only one that was making good plays and stuff. He had some great opportunities that he couldn't finish. But he rightfully promoted him to the first line. But that alone doesn't, you know, change the outcome of the game. Right. You need to, like, say, all right, stop going side to side with the passes. Go forward, you know? Mm-hmm. Right. And one of the issues that, uh, you know, we alluded to this on Blue Seek Blogs uh, when we recorded yesterday um, is that Gallant made a comment, first of all, on the identity aspect. So, like you said, when you discuss Carolina, they're a big, heavy, four check, defensive oriented team that grinds it out and forces you to make mistakes. And they throw pucks on that. Like it's 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 the most typical, the stereotypical hockey trope. Get pucks in deep, throw it on net, but it works. And they have the ability and the personnel to do it. Like Sebastian Ajo compliments, you know, Svechnikov well, compliments Taravainen well, uh, compliments, you know. Then you got like a guy like Jordan Derek Stahl. Stepan, Jordan yeah. Stahl, Jordan Martinuk. You know, they're they're built for that system. The Rangers this year were kind of in the middle between trying to be this big offensive team that moves on the rush, but then also forecheck well, which you can do. But what Glant's issue was, and, and and Python mentioned that you know line blenders are not an adjustment. If you look at the way the lines were constructed, analytically speaking, the best line the Rangers were the best lines the Rangers had were the combinations they had before the game against Detroit in November, and they threw out Zabanajad, Kreider, Kako, Lafreniere, Trocheck, and Panarin. Okay. Then you have Heedle, um, and then I, there was a bunch of other people that I'm Hunk was still on the team. Yeah, so I'm trying to remember who else was. They had so many different people on the fourth I, line. Yeah, that's the oh man. 
Yeah. So I can't even remember that, man. I think yeah, Goudreau we playing third line minutes. Right. I think Goudreau. It was Goodrow, Heedle, VC. That was the that was the fourth line. Ah, then you, you had Reeves. Oh uh, my gosh, who was the fourth line? Carpenter. Car- Ryan Carpenter. That's right. I for- I keep forgetting about him. Uh, Ryan Carpenter. And then it was kind of like a mix between like, you know, uh, I, I uh, Julian Gautier. Let's just say. Yep. So, but the point is, is that Gallant made a comment uh, after one of the games. I can't remember if it was Game Seven or the um, the. Mm-hmm game four or game five loss. And he basically said, I think it was after game seven talent can only get you so far, but I need four checkers. Well, geez, Gerard, I don't know. Maybe put your best four checkers to complement your talent. Capo Caco is one of the best, you know, board players on this team and can be one of the best in the league. That's what he's good at. That's what he's known for. That's what he was drafted to be is that guy who has that skill, who can go down low, similar to what Yarmer Yager used to play when he was here. Say what you want about Alexa Lafreniere. Did absolutely nothing. You can say what you want about him being a bust. I'm on the fence with him, but the talent is still there. It doesn't go away. What is the one thing that he's good at is getting the puck down low and moving it around. So you put him with a guy like Trocek and Panarin, he can be a distributor. Why not? They were good at the beginning of the season. So then what you could have done too is you could have thrown Patrick Kane on the third line and kind of had him as kind of like this roving bottom six player who still has the talent. Cause that's another thing too, that, that is kind of annoying. Gallant didn't properly utilize the assets that he had. So for example, I'll use another old example and I might trigger some people with this when the Rangers traded for Eric Stahl, what did AV do? He put him on the third line. Why? <laughs> Why? Mm-hmm. Same thing, Keith Yandel. Keith Yandel gets buried on the third pair. Man, Why? that one bothers me so much. I always talk about that on my show. Right. The Yandel one. Yeah. And I love Keith Yandel. I have a Keith Yandel jersey, you know, Sonk, you know, all that. I love Keith. Uh-huh. I thought it was great here. You know, I wanted them to keep him. Obviously, it was too much money. That's fine. But if you would have put Patrick Kane, on a third line with Heedle and another winger. And then you put Lafreniere with the uh, Trocek and Panarin. Kako plays with Kreider and Zibanejad. You have that balance, but he doesn't do that. Galant is very stubborn in that, in that regard. So that's how you lose games. You don't know how to utilize your assets properly. You, that, you know, that's a great point. Like that going back to the very beginning, the first 15, Rob Luker talks about it all the time. On, oh, on Twitter. Luker. Love, yeah. love Luker. <laughs> yeah. The, that that last game against Detroit was when things started going south. The Rangers mm-hmm. couldn't hold leads. They were blowing two nothing leads and stuff like that against teams they shouldn't be losing to. Uh, uh, they Edmonton. had to, uh. I know. I know man. <laughs> but hey, they got their, the Rangers got their revenge. They did. They, they did. They got their revenge. Yep. That, that was a fun game. Yep. That's that right. That was a, an amazing game. Uh, the, highlight, the highlight reels on my YouTube channel. So, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's. That was one of the high points of the season for me. I love that was when that was that game was when I said to myself, this team is special. And that's when I, you know, made the internal at which is wrong now at the time right now. But at the time, I thought it was going to be right. I thought this was going to be the year. How foolish of me. But yeah, same here. <laughs> uh, I mean, I mean, getting back to my point, the 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 lines at the very beginning of the season it's been so long like i completely forgot that that was a thing mm-hmm. they started opening night with Kreider's advantage at kako 
against Tampa Bay. And then the second line was Panarin, Trotrek, and Kravtsov. That's right. Kravtsov. Forgot about him. That's right. Yeah. And that's another one. I was wrong. <laughs> I was wrong. I was one of his biggest defenders. I wanted him to. I wanted him to to get more playing time, but it just it didn't work out for him. So no. I mean, people people said that I was an idiot or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, fine, fine. I was wrong. He didn't work out. He's in Vancouver, and apparently he was getting healthy scratch and stuff. So it didn't work out. Well, you anyway. know the thing about to touch on Kratzoff real quick, and I I was. I was one of the few people when he was drafted that actually liked the pick because if there was one thing at the time, a lot of people don't seem to remember how la- how this organization lacked high end skill. You know, we the Rangers up until at least before the letter, and I give credit to Stat Boy Steven, who I worked with for uh, a bit, um, made a good point in saying that the Rangers used to draft guys that were kind of like already at the peak. So they had an already established game style, but they couldn't really be molded. You got your JT Miller, you know, your Carl Haglins and all that, you know, very similar style players that are good, but not players that can help you get over the hump with that elite skill. Everybody wanted Oliver Wallstrom at the time. And rightly so. The dude could shoot the puck. I I wanted him to at one point. But you look at Kratzov and the skill that he still has, because I am a firm believer that that just doesn't evaporate. Um it was something that we hadn't seen in a while. And then, you know, the following year, you know, they get, um, you know, they get, uh, I'm, 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 I'm having trouble, but it was, it, it was around the same time they get Kratz off one year. And I think the year prior, they got like Heedle and Anderson, and Anderson around that same time. Yep. But um, with him, his issue was conditioning. That was the problem conditioning and the lack of wanting to adapt to the North American game. Does anyone really want to go to Hartford, Connecticut? And I'm not trying to diss anyone from Hartford, Connecticut here. It's just, it's not really an ideal city for many things. I've been to Hartford. It's not terrible, but it, you know, it's like every other Northeastern city. It gets cold. There's not really much to do. You know, Mm -hmm. again, Hartford, you're a great city, you know, want the whalers back. (laughs) But, um, but like you're, you're talking about a kid who is making bank in Russia, who is, kind of spoiled it's it's at some points in his life which is fine you know he grew up differently than a lot of us to go from that to getting everything you want in russia to going to hartford and making less than what uh or just about what a new york city cop makes at the start of his uh, tenure you know it's kind of jarring for a kid like that and then you're coming from russia and this and that and the fourth and not really knowing the language so understandably you can see why it kind of didn't work but then also he was also the, his own destructor as well, not wanting to kind of take mm-hmm. his lumps. And I'm not one of those old school guys. It's like, he needs to work and take his lumps and he has to suck it up. Like, no, I mean, to a reasonable degree, you know, you have to put some work. Like in you because... understand why he's doing that. Yeah. Right. Like the pay is significantly different. Hockey stat miner was talking about it at some point that it's like what he would be making in the KHL versus what he would be making in AHL right. when he was sent down it two years ago now mm-hmm. at the beginning. Um, like that's that's a big deal but yeah, if you yeah. like really really want it like think about like what Zuccarello did like mm-hmm. Zuccarello came to North America and he had guys in front of him that probably shouldn't have been playing at, at all uh I don't know why it took so long for the Rangers to finally decide that he needed to be on the roster he got like Asham and Pyatt and, and those ben guys Ferio. Ben Ferrio, oh, yeah. <laughs> I gosh, remember man. that, yeah. Yeah, but like Zuccarello made the, the decision to ride it out. But that was the kind of guy he was. Right. 
but with crab soft, it's 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 a little bit it's a little different. Mm -hmm. But I mean, to get back to what I was saying about the the line combinations, I think I think you're right with like the first 15 games the Rangers had had it figured out. So when Krabsov went down with the injury, Gallant immediately threw Lafreniere back up there for that Minnesota game. They dominated that game. 7-2. That was one of the most well-played offensive games I've ever seen the Rangers play. Mm -hmm. It was so exciting. Like, chances galore. Kako was killing it. Lafreniere was making great passes to Panarin. And believe it or not, Lafreniere, we always say that he is a natural left winger. He doesn't look comfortable on the right side. I had not seen him look that comfortable on the right side at all. Like that was the most comfortable I'd ever seen him on the right, right. side. He like, it was just, he didn't miss a beat at all. Mm -hmm. uh, he set up in I think he had two assists in that game. And yeah. one was in the first period. I remember that it was a nice little pass to Panarin who got into the middle of the ice, which is mm -hmm. one of the things that he's gotten away from in the past yeah. couple of years. He got to the middle of the ice and Paner or, uh, Lafreniere sends him a pass perfect right on the stick and Panarin snipes it mm -hmm. and it's three nothing Rangers. but like yeah. that right there when the puck stopped going in those 15 games they had all the chances in the world all the puck possession time ever i was still a believer that the rangers would turn it around everybody's saying like oh no they're not good enough they're not good enough and i'm like no they are they're just it, it's like they're not getting the puck the right balances and stuff mm -hmm. and right i think what it comes down to with the management or like Gallant is you got to have results. And the fact that they weren't getting results figured, you know, like they wanted to change stuff up. And I guess their idea of adjustments is, you know, mixing the lines up and not playing a different style. I don't right. Know. And, and the issue, the issue, the issue with that kind of attitude, and obviously coaches are going to make adjustments. That's understandable. You know, if your team is going through a really bad rut, you kind of want to switch things up at some point, but the Rangers, um, and especially now with the NHL becoming really analytically heavy, analytically laden, so to speak, um, you want to make sure that everybody's on the same page in the sense of understanding the diff understanding the similarities and and using both the eye test the personality test and the analytics to make informed decisions and that's important of course now i'm i'm in the boat where i i like to look at analytics because they do tell a part of the story but also i like to meld it with kind of the eye test you know like i'll say uh for example and this will also be a name that's also triggering to many ranger fans he's only been here for a little bit but let's look at a guy like jake lecician for example this guy has some of the worst analytics you could possibly think of. And the guy can't score to save his life. Guy's a wonderful score in the AHL, funny enough. <laughs> but um, but you look at him play on the ice, and there's one thing that he's decent at is standing in the middle of the ice, playing defense as a center. So if you had somebody who could maybe score a bit on the fourth line, you can get away with having Lecician there. But the Rangers didn't have that, so there was kind of no need for the guy. So, um, and another thing that I want to touch on too is, and you talk about Panarin getting away from the middle of the ice, you know, that also plays a, that also comes from the coaches not doing their job in the sense of not getting the best out of your player. Tell me why David Quinn, who has a completely 
sort of different system than Gallant did. John Tortorella, same thing, different type of system. They were able to get the best out of him. Now Gallant comes in, who is a little bit more offensive, so to speak, and is kind of, you know, uh, a coach, a player's coach. The guy, I mean, granted, he had 90-something points this year, so it's not like he's a total bum. But Panarin looks so much better. in the. That's why the Rangers got Panarin in the first place. That performance against Tampa, that first round, was insane. Oh, that when just, he was on Columbus. Yeah, when he was on Columbus with yeah. Tortorella. That just doesn't vanish. What happened? What is going on? So this right. is, I just mentioned because you brought Panarin up. So yeah, like that's a good point. You bring you bring up Panarin with like Tortorella and David Quinn. Like I've seen the charts. Panarin under David Quinn versus what he is with Gallant is it's vastly different. He's still good. Like, oh, yeah. don't get me wrong, you still got all the tools and stuff, but Panarin was dominant with David Quinn. It was like every time he was out there, you expected something to happen. Now it's like he turns the puck over a lot and he kind of shies away from the middle of the ice. You would always, always, always see Panarin come down the left wing and then like skate all the way to the right side of the ice and rip a shot on the goalie. Now he'll go to the left side, which is towards his towards boards, and then like peel off and then pass it to a defenseman instead of go to the, the middle of the ice. I don't know if he's dealing with like an injury or something. But he's also turning over the puck a lot, and he did acknowledge that yesterday too. And it seems like it's a it's a mental thing too. Um, I mean, it's it's a lot that you're going through. You're not you don't have a lot of space to work with. They the Devils certainly did a great job. I'm not saying the Devils did nothing, and that Panarin sucks. I'm not saying that. I think the Devils did a great job of you know taking away the passing lanes. They clogged everything. They played like all their skaters back. Right. Mm-hmm. So you have to get it past them. That's not how Panarin plays. Nope. Not at all whatsoever. And, um, you know, you want to sit back and look at what went wrong. And then my thing is, what do you do going forward? Now, I saw some takes on Twitter, which is my first mistake. Um, <laughs> uh, there were people were basically alluding to the fact that this team is cooked. Um, First of all, uh, this team doesn't need a rebuild. They don't. They need a more of a, like a retool kind of thing. A rebuild is what they did to basically tear everything down, trade everybody away. But you're still talking about having one of the best goaltenders in the in the world. You still have a very, very competent number one center in Mika Zibanejad. For his playoff uh, shortfalls. Artemi Panarin, you have to get to the playoffs first. Yes, Artemi Panarin absolutely. is still a very good regular season player, and I'm in the firm belief that he can be a playoff performer if everything goes right. He needs a distributor more than anything. Um, the defensive core, you know, they're still going to be very good. Keandre Miller kind of had a step back in progression this yeah. season. He wasn't very good on many occasions. Some people say that was Truba being injured for the first part of the season but you know what happened when truba basically healed up and performed was probably i'll say this adam fox i love foxy i do and his numbers say that he had a very good year but he had a lot of uh games off so to speak defensively Mm -hmm. and that kind of showed in game seven when he turned it over basically by getting muscled off the puck for some, so shocking for some I reason did, that was the last thing i expected a turnover right. from fox leading exactly to the winning goal in game seven that was did not have that on the bingo card right so you know 
obviously that's that's an anomaly, you know. So we know Fox is going to be good. So this team, you know, and then you got Braden Schneider, baby Truba, you know, Miller has immense talent. Um, you know, you have, you know, Truba's still going to be here, still a very good defenseman in his own right. He's a good leader. The team, his teammates love him, you know. Um, so there's still a lot of holes that you can plug in that this team can still be very good. It's just what it is, is that the players not only need to buy into the system because that was the big thing is the players didn't perform. The players have to buy into the system. The players have to understand the system. There's no identity now. They have to have a system, buy into it, and stick with it. You get guys who can supplement that. I'll say this is the first time I'm going to say this publicly, and I'm going to make this a um, a post on Blue Sea Blogs. And I know people are going to kill me. I know this is live. Please don't flood my mentions. There is a guy that I'm thinking of that would be perfect for this team. He has playoff experience. He has a Stanley Cup win. Not exactly the most favored player in the league, but why not? You go out and you get a guy like Corey Perry. And the reason why I say this, you can slot him anywhere on this team. You could put him fourth line, he'll perform. <laughs> you put him on the third line, he'll score. He had he for some reason, Corey Perry is on these teams and they just do well. I, I, maybe maybe it's a testament to him. I'm not exactly the biggest fan of the guy in terms of his play style. He's very dirty. But now he's dirty. Yeah, but <laughs> you a guy like that would have been perfect for Rangers Devils. Oh my gosh. Not, not that I'm saying that I want him to go out and to just like injure people. You know, that's not my mantra. I don't like that. I don't like that. I hate when players do that where they purposely intentionally do that. But what could he have done? that was any worse than Lafreniere or Panarin, you know, maybe he's the jolt that they need. They need a, they, someone alluded, I'm trying to remember where I read this from. Oh, hundred percent. And that's perfect with the cap crunch that the Rangers are going through right now. I'd rather, honestly, I'd rather have Perry than Will Cooley because we don't know what we're going to get with Will Cooley. Right. Just yet. I'll, 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 I'll mention him in a second because I actually do like him a lot. But when it comes to, you know, the cap crunch and and getting a player like that, you know, the Rangers leadership outside of Jacob Truba, you have Panarin, Sabanajad, Goodrow, um, and who else am I missing? Uh, it's Panarin, it's Truba, Panarin, Sabanajad, Kreider, Kreider. you know, that group, they're not, you know, like, rah rah sort of you know they're more of lead by example kind of guys and that's good you need that but what this team lacked was kind of like a guy who can get everybody riled up which is why even though he was kind of a net negative on the ice ryan reeves i mean we had msg running out Shesty release us and Reeves was on the Instagram almost every other day. Uh-huh. The players gravitated to him. He was a good buffer for Gallant. He leaves. It's not a coincidence that everything is kind of off. You know, you need a guy like that. Could Corey Perry be that kind of guy on the ice at least? Sure. You need it. Why wouldn't I not want to have Corey Perry give crap to freaking, uh, you know, uh, Timo Meyer. Yeah. You know, yeah, that's a good, that's a perfect example. Yeah. Like, yeah. Really? So that would be a good move. And, you know, then you got guys like Lindgren. You got guys like Schneider. You got guys like Goodrow who are, you know, they're tough, but they're not like, you know, completely like 
grinder kind of guys. You know what I mean? Corey Perry would be good at that. And I fully expect if, you know, I kind of expect some people to come at me after that, but I don't not? think that's a, I don't think that's a, uh, a bad idea. Actually. The only thing I'm, con- I'm concerned about is his age. Like, I mean, I mean, he's looked fine when he's been with Tampa. Uh, it's always like when, when older guys go to my teams, it's like they, they get really bad. Yeah, I, don't know. I know. No, trust me. I get it. But, That's but, like the one thing I'm concerned about. But I, I get what you're saying about like he's a guy that gets under your skin. Don't forget, like Corey Perry was once one of the top goal scorers in the league. The 50 goal scorer, mm-hmm. Maurice Richard winner. You said he won a Stanley Cup. He's like he's transformed himself into a completely different player. He's right. like Sean Avery. Mm-hmm. Right? And, like a Sean Avery. You know what I mean? Right. Not exactly like that, but someone that's going to get under your skin, always around the front of the net, doing stuff like that, do, get into the dirty areas that not really everybody wants to do. Right. Now, during the, thing, the regular season, at least. Right. And to add to that, to kind of talk about Cooley and Othman, I loved what I saw in Will Cooley, by the way. Very raw still. But if you notice, a lot of the guys that Drury has drafted since he took over, one of the big things, and this is why they brought Reeves here in the first place, I was at the game in 21 when Tom Wilson run amok and basically bashed Artemi Panarin's head into the ground. Um, there was an ever sense of, you know, God bless Brendan Smith, Kevin Rooney, I love I will I will yeah. always appreciate those guys till the end of time because those guys were heart and soul guys, regardless of their play. But they never had that identity. There was they're a very skilled team, very passive team. You get a guy like Reeves, change things up a little bit, get a guy like Goodrow, immediately changes the makeup of the team. Okay. So that's what you want. You want to have a mix between of grit and skill. Went away for that a little bit. There you go. Yeah, Perry had five points this postseason, too, so that works out. Um, So if you look at who the Rangers ended up picking up after when I think it was either it was Drury's first draft, Brennan Othman, Mm -hmm. Adam Sikora, they traded Leah Anderson and they got uh, the pick that they got from L.A. for Will Cooley. What is the one thing that all those guys are good at? They're all um, tough grinder guys Othman is the one that has the more skill out of all of them but they compared adam sakura to a kind of like a, a slovakian callahan. brad marchand okay i've With, heard riding callahan but I yeah mean, brad hey, listen crazy too. hey i'll take it you know so you you begin to infuse that with what they have right now you know Corey perry is a good segue to that you know just like ryan reeves is a good segue to you know other you know other talent on this team and same for like truba for schneider and all that and i think i think in the future if they manage their assets properly i think they'll be okay especially in that grit part i was talking with i don't know if i we we talked about before the show or if i if it was just me talking to somebody else but the idea of panarin and his line mate you said he needed a distributor he works better for some reason. He works better. He's more comfortable when he's got like the Blackwells, the Stroms, Jesper Fast. Jesper Fast. Yep. So like Corey Perry, I don't think that's a bad idea. That wouldn't even be a bad idea. You put like listen, if you put Perry and Panarin together, like maybe Perry starts to be like, Oh, I know how to play. I remember how I used to play. Like 
you know, maybe pops a couple goals here and yeah, there. It gets you 25 at the age of like 40. That'd be pretty good. That would be, that would be <laughs> awesome. But I mean, there's other guys I've been looking at in, in free agency. Like, I know last year a lot of fans were saying Evan Rodriguez because he's a great analytical player. Like, he's he had a good season for Colorado this year. Like, he had – they gave him a lot of ice time. He's yeah, got, he averaged 17 minutes. But they did have some injuries. So he was on a line with McKinnon for some time. Okay, yeah. I mean, that's that's, you basically just have to show up and you'll. No, but he was good with Pittsburgh. I remember (laughs) in the playoff series, he was great. He was Mm -hmm. really, really good. He was able to do everything power play, penalty kill, even Mm -hmm. strength. He was good at all of it. Uh, He was one. Actually, this surprised me. Garnet Hathaway's, like, even 5v5 analytics on natural statric are very, very Mm -hmm. good. Very good. Like, over 50% in like almost everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's a guy that, that body checks. So, I mean, the guys that say you need more sandpaper in this lineup, why not get a guy like him? Right. And I don't know how much he would cost. The salary cap space is going to be very, very tight. Like you're going to have to move. Like you're not going to be able to keep Tarasenko and Kane unless Kane is like taking a league minimum contract like Giordano did. Uh, then I don't. I don't, think, I don't think he comes back. I I I made this prediction, and I even said this in a Patrick Kane jersey. Um, <laughs> uh, I think he goes to Buffalo. I was yeah. I, I was in, so I I did this trip at the end of March, uh, where I went to the Devils game, and then I flew out to Buffalo because I have a buddy that lives out there, and I went to go see the Rangers and the Sabers. It's kind of like my yearly pilgrimage to go see them and see my friend too, and we're at the game. And obviously, I'm annoyed because I know the Rangers can beat these guys easy, but they're basically you know, Devin. Devin Levi was, you know, killing it. Oh yeah, was, um, that was, was his. Good. That was actually his debut. That's right. I just remembered that. So I'm with my friend there, and I said, "I'm going to tell you something right now." Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. I said, you guys, said the Buffalo Sabres, like, you guys are going to be really good next year. And I said, you want to know who's going to be your guy? Patrick Kane. How much better could it be for him, at least, to go home? Sign on a team-friendly deal. You know, they have a lot of cap space, mind you. And basically elevate them to make a nice playoff run. They have the, they have the talent to do it. Um, it as far as a great spot for Timo Meyer, man. Oh, yeah. Oh, Their I, cap situation is so wide open. I kind of wish they, it happened. Maybe it happens in the offseason. Get them away from the Devils. I might actually oh like the God, guy. Oh, my God, that would be great. You know? That would be great. For the record, I've hated Timo Meyer since he was a shark. I'm just saying. So my hatred for him was was there before this, before he became a devil. But um, what was it? Uh, yeah. So uh, Tarasenko, it, I something tells me he comes back. But I would if, love that, man. I would. Yeah. I would. I think that would be great. Like as much as I, you know, you brought up like the old line combinations, and that would be great. Mm-hmm. Those would be awesome. But like, you add Tarasenko to the mix here, and you automatically have like a 30 goal scorer. You have a, one yeah, of the best shooters in the game. The mm-hmm. Rangers do not have a shooter. They don't have it. That was one of the things that, that we were looking at at the trade deadline. Everyone is saying, 
like using the the hindsight bias or whatever it's called is like oh the rangers should have added uh grit at the more sandpaper more guys like uh like cop and vetrano at the the deadline this year go back and look and see what what was our lineup we had vz and goudreau in the top six mm-hmm. you can't survive like nope. that they needed two wingers and they needed a shooter that's exactly what they needed they needed right. tarasenko and that, they got that and then when it became clear that patrick kane wanted to play for the rangers and only the rangers and that the cost was peanuts how could you say no to that you have you have blame, to do it you i don't i can't blame chris jury for that i it, this is not on him this cannot be on chris jury like he like who who wouldn't take a, a patrick kane for like pennies on the dollar oh you have you you have to make that trade especially right? especially with with how easy it was and 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 i think i heard that Drury didn't want Kane initially. He did it. He did it. No, that's I, why. I, that's I, that's yeah, why he traded Tarasenko. And obviously, there's long term concerns. And I I know what I I kind of see what Drury's trying to do with the team moving forward. It's trying to establish uh, a base that has that mix of skill and grit. And that's one of the reasons why they got Tarasenko. Granted, whether it's a rental or you know um, short term, but either way, um, and they were still flying. When they got Tarasenko, I mean, I was at the first game that he played against the Kraken. I mean, that's probably that that was just about as loud as a playoff game that night. But then you get a guy like Kane, and obviously you can't say no. It's one of those basically unavoidable. Jim Dolan is going to say, oh, you're going to get this guy that's won Stanley Cups for the Blackhawks. You make it work. That's what happened. So but the thing is, is that you talk about not getting a shooter. Um, Patrick Kane was supposed to be that because that's basically what his bread and butter is outside of stick handling. Very good shot. Very hard shot. It's very precise too. Like I think we saw it in action uh, when he scored his first as a Ranger in Montreal. That thing is a bullet. Yeah. Why he didn't exercise that more. I have no idea, but you look at the team from last season, they actually did acquire a shooter and that was Frank Vetrano. What did he do with Mika and Kreider? He shot the puck. That's why that line was so good. I kind of wish we would have kind of bring him back on a discount, but Anaheim gave him more money than he would say no to. You know, same thing with uh, Cop. You know, he wanted to go home to Detroit. All right, adios. You know, I would have liked to have kept one of those guys, and I think they would have had some better results. Vetrano was the one I wanted to keep because he works so well with Kreider and Mika. Like, I was, for some reason, they could never, those two can't find a line mate after Butchnevich. I don't know what it is. And then Tarasenko comes in. Okay, that works. But then, oh, well, Grant wants to change things. Let's throw him with Panarin. And it's like, and then that line does well too. So, yeah. <laughs> it's also it's also weird too because like, all right, Tarasenko, you put him with Kreider's advantage ad. Then you have Panarin Trocek, right? Or Panarin Heedle. You can't put, you have to put both kids in the top six next year, I think. Like, you have to. I almost feel like Kreider should be like linked to Trocheck and because those guys play a north south style of play. Mm-hmm. I talk to Drew Way a lot too, and he always says like you have to match like the analytics are good, but you have to match the play style. Yep. You have to match the play styles. Like Kreider's advantage ed, I mean, it's worked, but when you don't have Buchnevich, it's not it's not the same. Right. Right. So if you do like Lafreniere's advantage ed. Tarasenko or uh, I don't even I don't even know like Panarin Panarin Trocek Lafreniere like like we did earlier in the season or 
I know he doesn't like Kako on his wing, but Panarin Trocheck Kako. You know what, Panarin? Deal with it. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> right? Like, life, life's tough. Deal with it. <laughs> I've always, I've always said I like Kako with Panarin. I don't know why. Well, they, they did, they did reasonably well when it, Brian Strom was their center, yeah. and they had Kako on that power play unit. Uh, he scored a couple of pretty good power play goals. I don't, I don't understand why. Kako was not on a power play unit. I mean, he was on the last two games of that series, but for the majority of the season, even when they got Tarasenko, they took, they put Lafreniere over Kako, and that kind of, that kind of mystified me a little they, bit. They got it. They got to throw him in on power play one because they have, they had like four right-handed. They always do this where they have four right-handed shots. Like it always. was, I don't even know where you would put him. Where where you'd put. Uh, where you put uh, Kako. Like, because have, his have him spot, on the right like, side, when he, like when he was in, in like playing for Finland, right? And, um, and TPS, he, his spot was the, the right dot, that area. But you have Panarin, and Sabanajad's one-timer is so lethal. Like, what are you going to do? Right. It's, got too, it's like too many options there. It's almost like you should split up you should have power play one is Zibanejad in the left dot and power play two is Panarin in the left dot. Well, they did that and they went away from it. I don't know why they went away from that. <laughs> they did it for a couple of games and I thought this was the, I, you know, some of my, my colleagues at Blue Seat Blogs disagree with me, but go, um, go ahead. Yeah, I'll, I'll address this. Comment. Yeah. So why, why did we go away from all oh, because they got suffocated by the hurricanes? Like, come on, give me a break. So like if you go away from it, then just come back to it, you know? Right. Surprised they didn't make that change in the uh, in the playoffs. It's it, ridiculous. What Python is saying here is exactly how I feel. Like they should move Trocheck yes. down to the third line. I think mm -hmm. they should move Heedel down to the top or Heedel up to the top six too, and move Trocheck down to the third line and make that third line a shutdown or matchup style line. Like, right. listen, I know people will will harp on like, well, they're not going to get their ice time. BS. They're going to kill some penalties. Come Somebody's going to take penalties. Mm -hmm. The defenseman. One of the fourth liners, somebody's going to be taking penalties, and Trocheck and Kreider, your penalty killers. Those guys get their penalty killing time. Kako Lafreniere get their power play time. I think that's fair. And if you roll all the lines, we've seen it this year. They did it. If you roll all the lines, get a good rhythm going. Everybody could get ten minutes at mm -hmm. least. Yeah, so, and, and they um, can all be effective that way. Right, and and the thing is, is that you look at a the thing that annoys me too again with Panarin and this relates to that, is he's made it vocal that he doesn't want to play with Heedle and Kako and some of the kids. But the funny part is he's had some of his best moments with the kids. Like, who did who who was the one that scored the overtime winner against the Devils in December? Uh, Philip Heedle. Who passed it to him? Artemi Panarin. They're, and they're, they're... also in that first game of that series of, of like the first regular season matchup, Rangers Devils, the Rangers are kind of going through it. And Glenn tried this, this, he, he was doing his thing where he blends the lines, uh, blends up the lines and he landed on Panarin, Heedle, Kako. They were great. Their first shift together was a goal from, yep. I think it was Heedle. I was at that game. Yep. I, I know, I know, I know exactly what you're talking about and I never understood why they never even tried it. So, but yeah, what do I know? I, I don't know. It, the The rumors too of like Gallant, it's it's interesting. Uh, I I am I'm impartial to Joel Quenville. 
Oof. Here's where I take I, – I, I'm not going to say, like, my opinion on it, but I will say uh, James Dolan, he does not care. No. He will take he will take whatever it will to get him to win because that's what generates the revenue and gets him get the Rangers further. I am sure he is not pleased with the first-round exit. Look at Toronto. Yeah. They finally, finally made it past the first round. You know how crazy their fans are? They sell out every game. They're one of the biggest markets in the league. They're going to be raking in all that money. Like, this is a huge missed opportunity considering Boston, Colorado, Tampa Bay. All the juggernauts are out. The Rangers could have easily made it to the conference finals, and they didn't. Right. So I could understand why James Dolan would want Drury to make a move like that. But I do think that Drury would, would rather not do that. Right. I think he would. I hope they would think outside the box here and again like i'm not well i'm not like a i'm not really on board with having mark messier as a coach because he's never coached before no chance but like no i don't know you got to change something up there you cannot yeah. just bring the same exact roster back this year because the way they ended this season was not it was not right it wasn't no, good that it was it was a missed opportunity um you had too much talent and it wasn't utilized properly now i'll say this if it's, if this was a perfect world and none of that would happen in Chicago and that we alluded to this on the on, on the podcast uh, for blue seat blogs um, if this was a perfect world where none of this happened where the Kyle Beach situation didn't go through we would be chomping at the bit to hire Joel Quenville me personally as a as a hockey fan I would say yes. But I'm also a human being. And the thing that I won't accept is to now I don't know whether he he's atoned to it, to the the situation, um, whether he's, you know, what he's made amends or whatever. I can't speak to that. But what I would not and what I wouldn't like to see is bringing in a guy who was willingly complicit in hiding a situation that was very sensitive and and very um, harmful in the guise of trying to win. And to me personally, I don't like that. That that puts a lot of his integrity and character into question. Now, I'm not a perfect person myself, but there's one thing I've never done is I've never hidden something so egregious to the point where I sacrificed it for something else to the point where you ba we basically ruined someone's life. Now I'm not one to judge, uh, in terms of other candidates, um, uh, it, it really is because you, now you basically have it boiled down to, uh, Daryl Sutter, Peter Laviolette, and, uh, Maybe a guy like Andrew Burnett or maybe an assistant coach from somewhere who is very X's and O's and can really command that. My personal choice, my my personal choice for this team is Mike Sullivan. Why? I mean, yeah, yeah. Why, like right. Why did they not hire him after they fired Tortorella is still beyond me to this day. Maybe it's because the association, you want to clean house completely. But Mike Sullivan is perfect for this team. He has a cup pedigree. Players respect him outside of like Phil Kessel, of course. Um, oh, I didn't know about Phil Kessel. Well, and, and that's more jokingly than anything because Phil Kessel complains about everybody. But um, <laughs> but uh, he he's got the pedigree. He knows the people here. He knows he knows Chris Jury from at least Team USA. 
He knows James Dolan. He knows yeah, he Glenn was his coach. He played here. Like, right. Drury was Drury was playing here at the same time uh, Torts and, uh, and Sullivan were coaching. Right, exactly. So there, there's a familiarity to that. So the only way that could probably happen in this moment is if they were to trade for him. If I'm correct, you'd have to give a draft pick and some compensation for his services, which I don't think they would do. Yeah, so that's kind of take anything from the Rangers. That's right. So it's kind of like up in the air. So that leaves you with, if you end up having to fire Gallant, it basically leaves you with two choices. They're not going to go to Peter Laviolette because he is known to suck the life out of the offense on his teams. And that's the last thing this team needs. Daryl Sutter, Daryl Sutter, as big of a jerk as he is, has arguably some of the best teams over the last and and, uh, over the last maybe 10 or so years with the Kings and even the Flames. They have some of the best five on five numbers out there. Maybe this team needs a kick in the butt like they did when they fired Rennie and hired Tortorella. And look, they ended up you know, going to a conference final uh, with torts. Maybe that's what this team needs. Am I a hundred percent on the Daryl Sutter train? No, because I think he's kind of a dinosaur. Yeah. But do you risk bringing Gallant back and not making any changes and kind of beginning the season stagnant, depending on how they make the team up for next year? Or do you want to make a fresh change and allow this team to have a different identity going forward and utilizing your talents that you have properly to make up some of the shortcomings that you have even strength. What do you do? Daryl Sutter's that guy. It's like, yeah, I would love, I would love Sullivan. Sutter is Sutter. I don't know what, what it is. Like is the, uh, somebody on your show, I think was tweeting about, uh, how he, his, the LA Kings were, were some of the best teams. Yeah, that was. And I wild. actually went back last night. I was yeah. looking to see, like, um, it was either na- last night or the night before. I was looking to see, you know, which teams were like the best, like analytics wise, from like 2013 to like 2015, because natural statric allows you to go like mm-hmm. three years. Right. And the top of those teams, the top of the 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 league, it was L.A. and Chicago. Mm-hmm. Always right. Been. Every yep. stat, everything was over well over fifty percent. It was mm-hmm. like they were so far away the best teams that it was not even close. But like right. th- those teams, Daryl Sutter, Joel Quinville teams, like I know it, it's it's weird with Sutter because he's so bland. And <laughs> I mean, he had a great goalie. Markstrom yep. was was great, but I mean, look at what happened to him. I don't know what happened this year for, for, the, for the Flames. Well, I think a lot of what uh, you read the reports after their season ended, and obviously Daryl Sutter didn't exactly help the cause, but another thing that was really kind of coming out was a lot of dissension between teammates. Just judging off of the stuff that they were saying and some of the reports that were coming out is that it was a very hostile work environment. And Daryl Sutter obviously didn't help the cause, <laughs> obviously. But... um. You know, maybe it's a different story if you were to bring him here to New York. Another guy that we were thinking of, and this might actually be the like the best possible candidate in terms of, you know, X's and O's and kind of having somebody adjust to a more modern style NHL game, but has experience is Andrew Burnett. Look at look at the way the Panthers were able to rebound after Quenville left yeah, or he was yeah. terminated. They were still a very dominant force. And there's one thing about the Florida Panthers organization is that they're very analytically driven. 
that organization understands analytics very well. But the issue is, is just having the issue of keeping the talent there and maybe kind of having some issues with, you know, moving certain pieces and allowing them to really develop. But all in all, though, they know what to look for in terms of a player and they have the right, they had the right coach in Burnett. It was, I was very surprised that they didn't keep him. I understand going to Paul Maurice, getting a more experienced guy would be a bit more of a, you know, move for that clubhouse. But uh, Andrew Burnett would be a good choice if he became available. Obviously, he's the assistant coach for the Devils right now. But I think if he was trying to get back into it and the Rangers wanted to move on from Gallant, I think a fresh face who he was a player, mind you, not that Gallant wasn't a player he was with Detroit and Tampa Bay, but Burnett seems to fit a little bit more. You know, he retired you know, at least in the last like 20 something years. So he would kind of fit more to the modern player than Gallant, who I don't want to call him a dinosaur, but, you know, retired and like, uh, it's not coming to me. I don't want to, nineties you know, maybe. Yeah. Early nineties because he did play for Tampa Bay. So it had to be after like 94 or 95. So there's, there's, there'd be more of a connect with brunette than, uh, Gallant in the sense, cause he wouldn't be as much of a dinosaur mm -hmm. in that sense. I think, I think, with Drury, the way he is, I don't know. This is just a gut feeling. Like, the way he was kind of just thrust into the presidency and, you know, the being the general manager of the team, right? He is, like, uh, he's young, Drury. So, and I've heard that he is a very, like, he's on board with the analytics. So oh, 100%. That, but look at who else comprises upper management. You have Glenn Sather still. And you have James Dolan. Like, James Dolan just wants to win, right? And Glenn Sather, we'll call him a dinosaur because he is. Right? Yeah. Um, like, he's obviously, okay, I will say respectfully, he's one of the most accomplished executives in league history. Not taking that away from him. But it just seems like they go away from that stuff. And I think Drury understands that they need to start buying into that. It's, like, just a matter of convincing them right. that – that's the way they need to because like look at some of the moves that he's made like dryden hunt he brought in that's a that's a pretty specific player to bring in like mm -hmm. someone that didn't have a lot of playing time but when he did he was pretty effective at even strength um over the past couple of years but he also understands that something else needed to be done after the tom wilson thing and that the locker room was was missing uh, a huge important element so he traded for ryan reeves and to kind of like compliment both of those, he got Barkley Goodrow because he's wasn't the worst analytical player. He had like fairly decent stats with with Tampa. Probably on that third line, probably the worst out of those three players between Coleman and Gord mm -hmm. and and himself. But he did that because you know he needed to add a sandpaper element, right? And I, like I don't hate Barkley Goodrow, right? Like I think he's a very good player. It sucks that he's making that much money because it's the same deal with Truba. Sucks that he's making that right. much money because there's no room to, you know, make other moves that the Rangers need to make. Like well, Lafreniere to... and Miller need contracts. Right. You might be able to negotiate with them. Mm -hmm. you might be able to get like a bridge deal that's team friendly. Well, I'm look at the sure. look at the steal that he was able to get Heedle for for four point five for the next four years. I mean, that's phenomenal. Mm -hmm. But to, to comment on the Goodrow contract, so you got a guy who gets at you at least 12 goals, gets you about maybe 30 points, 
25, 30 points a year, who penalty kills, can move up on a pinch, can play two positions, winger and center. The going rate for a guy like that is exactly what Barkley Goodrow makes. Um, you're not going to find a guy who can put up similar numbers and get them for at least 3.6 or less, unless you have some money in your organization who can do that. But more than likely, he's going to get paid because that's what happens when you um, when you know a lot of players end up moving up and they get a decent amount of contract. They're going to look for the bag, you know. The only issue with the good row contracts is it just came at the wor- it came at the the right time and also the worst time because it came at a time when the cap was very tight and there was the potential of it going up. And obviously we can see with like the Mika move and even the Panarin move, the cap's going to go up incrementally every year. So those moves look a little bit less. And the same thing with the Truba contract at the time. You look at some of the contracts that were given out to some of the players at the time. You're talking nine, you know, seven, and they weren't even at Truba's level at some point. So you're getting a guy who can provide you you know, good defense and tangibles for eight and change. Not terrible. You know, you can do that. It's just the unfortunate, you know, the COVID, you know, the COVID pandemic didn't really do anybody favors because I'm willing to bet that with the way the cap was going up in, you know, 18 and 19, Gordon and Gordon, at least Davidson at the time felt that that those moves were instrumental. And they are, they really are because they're not, terrible players by any means obviously Panarin can improve in playoffs but that's beside the point you know those moves were made to help bring the team to the next level because at what point were they going to do it I see a lot of people online saying oh they rushed to rebuild they rushed to rebuild honestly maybe they did to a degree but at what point do you become complacent where you're just getting first round picks every year you turn into Buffalo at some point you turn to Arizona Edmonton was like this for a very long time so um at what point do you do that? So in terms of contracts, you know, the Rangers are going to need to find someone if they're going to move good row in this cap crunch, which I think they will. Unfortunately, you're going to have to find a guy to replace that. That's going to be tough to replace. Where do you find it? And what do you pay for it? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I am a fan of Barbashev. I do. I like him too. Barbashev, Rangers do have a couple of pieces. They could. Like I'll tell you that for sure. And don't forget they're gonna have to they're gonna have to use Zach Jones next year. Yes. They're gonna have to use either him or Robertson or both next year because the they're not gonna have that much room to to uh right. to move with, like to to work with. They're gonna keep Harper on there as like the seventh deep spot. And I know they don't like to do it, but Jones and Robertson are might be your only two options. Mm-hmm. And I was looking at the free agent class for defensemen. And it's not good. trying to see, yeah, it's not good. The Rangers like big <laughs> defensemen, big defensemen that hit. There's not like the options out there are not the greatest. No, they're, they're, they're just not. Maybe but you, Michael Stone. But uh, like, I don't know, not, but you, re- you really can't go wrong with uh, 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 a bottom pair of Schneider with the mix of Jones or Robinson or even Ben Harper. Say what you want about Ben Harper. The guy is not the greatest defenseman in the world, but no. the guy did step up for this team very admirably in the situations that he had. Yeah, he I earned would, that extension. For sure. Yeah, he earned it, and it's at league minimum. Yeah, no, there's no nothing wrong with that. And remember, right. you got VZ coming back at, again, like 850K. I mean, That's an grief. awesome, awesome deal there. Right. You're probably going to bring up Brennan Othman. Right, so there's another league minimum contract there. I, th- 
every I past couple days I've been trying to do the math on the the salary cap. It's gonna be really hard. Like, don't even don't even talk about Tarasenko. Like, with what you have without trading Goudreau, it's gonna be it's gonna be cheap. It's gonna yeah. be really really tight. It's not like if you sign Lafreniere and Miller. Let's say, I think Evolving Hockey projected uh, Miller at like four point oh three not 4.04 something like that and Lafreniere at 2.94 uh that leaves you with five million dollars in cap space Mm -hmm. without moving without moving uh what's it called uh Goudreau and you Mm -hmm. still have to sign you still have to bring up Othman uh you still have to bring up Jones or Robertson you need a backup goalie and you're missing like three or four other forwards there Mm -hmm. that's not anything there's there's no room to work with so i think somebody's gonna have to get traded here panarin won't move his no move but i don't think it's a, it's a good no. idea to trade panarin no because i mean like do you I... said who's getting you to the playoffs if you trade panarin who is replacing him like if you if you trade panarin you almost automatically have to re-sign tarasenko you have to and maybe patrick kane at that point yeah because you can't just rely on Lafreniere, Kako, and Othman because they haven't proved that they could be 70, 80-point guys yet. They've only just now proved in one year that they could be 40, 50 points, 40 points, not even 50 points, 40 points for us. Mm-hmm. That's a lot to ask for a team that wants to get to the to the end and lift the Stanley Cup. That's a lot to ask. Right. There's so only I don't two, think you should trade Panarin. There's only two guys I would trade Panarin for. Elias Patterson and Matthew Kachuk. End of list. I love those two. Wow. <laughs> Have you been listening to this show? Those are the two guys. When the Rangers were going after Eichel, those are the two guys that I wanted. Yeah, I, I'm like, I want. Screw Eichel. I want Pedersen. Yeah, I, Elias Pedersen is my favorite non-Ranger, and he won me my fantasy hockey season this year. Shout out to EP. Um, oh, God, <laughs> so nice he, would, he, would be a, he would be, I think, if they were to move on from Panarin, uh, you would probably get him for about a million dollars less. So that allows you some flexibility in that sense. Cause it would be about like, I think his qualifying offers like, like the, the, the expected offer he's going to get is about 10 mil, which is perfect. And he could play two positions too. So yeah, why not? In the wing, right? mm-hmm. so. And then Kachuk too is like, everybody wants the sandpaper aspect of it. And I don't know why this wasn't a conversation like last year. Uh, that was the guy, man. That was the guy that you you would have had to do it. Yeah. Like you could have put. I know they got a first round pick in this year's draft for Niels Lundqvist, but you could have traded Lundqvist for that. You could have yeah. included him in the package for that. You could have included another defenseman. You could have included, like you, I, you could have made that trade work. I think yeah. you could have made it happen. Well, Panarin would have had to have gone the other way, a hundred percent, if that were the case. Because you can't the the extension that he signed, you wouldn't be able to fit it. Yeah. You would have to. You would basically have to gut the rest of the team just to fit both of them. And ideally, you'd want to do that. But I guess maybe they'll just go after Brady Kachuk at some point if the Senators kind of fall apart. Yeah, he just. Uh, he, I don't think that's gonna happen. They look really good. I, yeah, I, wishful thinking, were, man. <laughs> I know, I know. And he kind of just signed an extension. Yeah, he, he did. Yeah. Yeah. So. I, not not really holding out hope for Brady Kachuk. Right. He's cheaper, but he's also the same type of player. But he's also the those too. players are few and far between. Everybody yep. says they need to add the, the sandpaper aspect. They don't grow on trees. They don't make them like they do in the nineties. It's not nope. it's not 
apparent here anymore. It's Brad Marchand, Tom Wilson, who's not even as good as, as Brad Marchand, and then it's Matthew Kachuk. Like, those are the mm-hmm. three guys. You have to, if you're going to get a guy like that, you're going to have to draft him and hope he, he plays that way. Well, you would hope Othman becomes that guy. I think one of Othman or Lafreniere can be absolutely be that guy because Lafreniere is. I remember when they drafted him. Every people were saying like this guy does is not afraid to hit. Like nope. he throws the body. Mm-hmm. He's good in the board on the boards. Like he's a good four, pretty good four checker. I've heard Othman's a great four checker. Phenomenal. Like phenomenal. You could develop. You have the right coaches. I think you could. You could. Uh, you could work something out there. And I know people will be like, "All right, Lafreniere's first overall pick. Why is he? Why is he a role player?" But I don't care. Just make it work. You have your skill players on That's the team you already. Do. You don't need. You don't need everybody to be a skill player. And just to add to that, real quick, um, I understand that they haven't exactly put you know Kako and Lafreniere haven't fulfilled their potential, but you have to understand also that those two have been thrown in situations that almost every other high-end draft pick have not faced before. So you look at, let's look at Buffalo and Edmondson, for example. Jack Eichel, immediately throw him on the first line when he shows up. Connor McDavid, you're the franchise. First line center, power play minutes. You're showing him out everywhere. He's able to exercise all of his flaws on the ice without issue. That's not the case here with Lafreniere and Kako. You're basically asking guys two guys who were supposed to be the guys and tell them, listen, you're going to put you here um, behind Zabanajad, Kreider, and Panarin. It's just, it's the only way you can rectify that is if you put them both in top six roles. But when it happened, when they picked them, you couldn't just say, okay, guys, well, they were trying to win. We got these prospects. We're also trying to win. So go ahead and do what you got to do. So, I understand why people are upset. I wasn't a fan of it, but I understand why that their production hasn't been as similar as other players. I mean, it took what two years from Lafreniere to get on the power play. I mean, he got his first power play point last season or this season that just ended. And he's been in the league for this season. Yeah. He's been in the league for what? Almost three years now, just about. So it's, it's a very difficult situation. And as much as, uh, I'm very low on him right now, which I don't necessarily think he's going to get two mil in the market, by the way. I think he's going to get just about a mil and change, and it's kind of like a prove-me deal, kind of, because no one's going to want to give him that kind of money for putting up zero points in seven games. Um, I think he... I, I think he'll be fine next year, and uh, as much as I would trade him for a proven piece, I'm also not opposed to just letting him go out there and figuring it out. Because again, the skill just doesn't evaporate. He needs a he needs a skating coach. Mm-hmm. I don't know what happened. I mean, he has the skating for juniors. He doesn't have NHL skating ability. He doesn't. Great hands. He's got a great shot. Put some little more size on him. I think he'll be okay. This is a perfect segue to my final talking point, and uh, this is from Steve Valakat from the uh, Garden Faithful podcast. I was listening yesterday, and he had. He laid it out there for, for him. He said it as it was, and this is what he said. So Steve Alicat on Alexi Lafreniere, he said, you know what he needs? He needs a summer in the gym. He needs to put his golf clubs in the closet, and he needs to dedicate everything he has to hockey. And then he'll know for himself what he is at this level next year. Mm-hmm. He needs he needs to put the work in. He needs to put the work in. I don't think just giving him the ice time is going to be going to be enough. Like he needs to 
show that he wants it more. And I, I said it a couple times yesterday, too. Remember when Zabanajad had his first 30-goal season? I remember all Joe Micheletti was talking about, like, as that season progressed, was how much time Zabanajad spent that summer right. on the ice, training, mm-hmm. working with, with coaches and stuff like that. That's what you need to do. Yep. That's how you take your step. And it, it's perfect because Zabanajad was once a top five pick, top ten pick in his draft. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until, like, what, seven years later that he was able to figure it out and put it yep. all together. Mm-hmm. So you have a chance to do it quickly. Like, you have guys that have been in that position before. Look at Kreider, Zabanajad. Panarin was an undrafted guy and worked his ass off to get to where he's at now. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, he could he has the tools. He's got to – I'm with you, man. Hire a yeah. coach and work on your game in the offseason. Listen, if Barbara Underhill, she works for the Maple Leafs, by the way, but Barbara Underhill was the big name for when Brian Boyle had his skating coach, which is the reason why he elevated his game and was a mainstay in the Rangers runs, worked with him for his skating. And mind you, he was a fourth line, third line grinder, turned into one of everybody's favorite Rangers for those runs. If Brian Boyle can do it, I know Alexi Lafreniere can do it. At some point, something has to click into this kid's mind. He's 21 years old, just about 21. Something has to click into this kid's mind and say, I need to do something about myself. And, and that really goes with anything, really. Kako, Kako did it la- last summer going into this year. And it turns out he's one of the best play uh, possession drivers on this team. You know, give him more chances. The puck will go into the net. More. He's got to start finishing. If Kako that's it, could finish like a good that's it. 75% of those chances, 50%. Right. You and it's like it's like life. that it's like that Bill Clement line in the old NHL video games. Finish, finish, finish. And I'm not talking about the country. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, for real, for real. Uh definitely, definitely need to see some finishing for from the Finn, uh Capo Caco. And the Canadian uh, Lexi Lafreniere has definitely gotta gotta work on skating this uh this offseason for sure. Everything. Everything. Mm-hmm. Everything. Yep. I'm sure I'm sure Caco will do it again. Of course. I know he if you heard those interviews, he said, I want to play next year. I want to, I want more ice time and I want power play time. Mm-hmm. It's like, all right, man. He trains like, with, hope, uh, he trains with, uh, Miko Rantanen in the off season. And that's, that's a player you want to be around. That's the perfect model for Kako. If we can even get somewhat like a Miko Rantanen light for Kako, I'll take it. People were saying stone. Now, now we're saying Rantanen, yep. like Mark Stone. Mm-hmm. I would take Mark Stone. 100%. Rantanen, it would be great. Anthony would be great. And if Lafreniere can can just bump up his attributes, like all of his tools, take it to the next level, work on it. Don't take any time off during the offseason, really. I know he's young or whatever. Maybe he doesn't get it yet, but like I hope he hears those comments that Valcat said. Because it's now or never. Right. At least with about, the Rangers. About so. the effort, man. Like the, all their best players, they all at some point they did the, the same thing. They all did it. Mm-hmm. All of them. And oh, you yeah. go to years past too. They all did it. You mentioned Brian Boyle. I'm sure Zuccarello did the same thing. Yep. Agreed. Right? Like, 100%. It's all a matter of uh, realizing it. All right. Well, uh, anyways, that wraps up Ice Cold Takes for, for this week. John Luke, thanks so much for joining me. Hey, thanks for having me. I would love to come back uh, whenever you'd like to have me. I, yeah. I enjoyed this. This is great. And uh, yeah, feel free to, you know, 
uh, check us out at Blue Seat Blogs. We got a lot of good content on there. We got a lot of good analytically driven, but also level-headed analysis on the Rangers. And um, I think Dave Dave Shapiro has a lot of bad food takes at some point that'll come oh, out. Oh boy, I'm gonna have to get on him <laughs> for that. So, but yeah, thank you for having me. This yeah, is great. No problem. No problem. We'll have to talk about the Mets next time a little bit oh. more on the show. Oh boy. <laughs> oh, oh man, well, don't get me started on that. They, 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 Pick it up by the next time I have you on the show. Yeah, uh, your mouth to God's ears. All right. Hey, Rangers fans. Thank you so much for listening to the Ice Cold Takes podcast this week. Make sure you follow at Ice Cold Takes pod on Twitter to stay up to date with the latest Rangers info. See you all next week. You don't have to go home, but you can't stay.